I want to set the tone this way, that there's a spot in the world where everything breaks from one side to the other and a choice has to be made. And that spot happens to be a person that we know, and his name is Jesus. And when people come to him, and he says, essentially, to everybody that comes to him, what are you here for? What are you here for? Can I just ask you internally to sit there and say, why am I here? Why have I come today? What are you after in Jesus today? Often, we get a series of things, and throughout the Gospel of Luke, as, as I'm in my last week of Luke before Advent starts, the beginning of the new calendar season, I want you to know that, that in Luke, if you read it, there's always three groups of people around Jesus. There's always um, some people that are judging him harshly, often named scribes and Pharisees. I think the Pharisees kind of get a bad name in the Gospel of Luke. Um, they're people trying to do their best. They've missed the point, but they're trying. The road to hell is paved with great intentions. Then there's kind of the group in the middle, they just call it the crowd, who, don't have, who haven't maybe asked or haven't come to that spot where that question has sunk deep in and they haven't got to another point. And then you have what, what we would call the disciples. Um, the question is placed to many people, and a variety of answers come to mind. I want you to know that I've, I've seen people say, I've come to Jesus so that I can look good and clean out in the world. I've come to him so I can be right. I, I came to church today because I need to be looking right. I don't really care if I am right, but I want to look right. And, and some of you have, have interacted with those people. Um, yesterday, I was uh, on the way to a meeting. I spent uh, six hours driving yesterday and uh, three hours down and three hours back to a meeting. I got to the meeting at 9 in the morning. That tells you when I left here, Saturday morning at 6. And all the way down, I was re- thinking about the relationship I've had with this organization. The, the governing bo- body has has for about 30 years seemed like it was kind of mired in legalism to me. And by the way, mired in legalism can be done this way. I I just want to say this. This is how I think about it. It's people that think that rules, that only the way we've always done them are really important, often think that God developed the Ten Commandments and thought, that's a really good set of rules. I need some people to keep that. And so then he went about making people. But that's not the order that the Bible has that in. He made people, and then he gave them some guides to help them keep and be kept. And so on the way to the meeting, I was on the way to, there to address um, the board, and I had a, another pastor friend that was going to a, a, a separate board to address them at the same time. All the way down there, I was catastrophizing. Do you know what that term means? Do you know what it means to catastrophize? Every single thing that could go wrong was going through my head. All the, all the things that I thought might be the responses, and I was coming up to responses, well, if this happens, then I'm going to have to say this, and if this happens, I'm going to do this, and if they just ignore me, then I'm going to have to walk away. 
and let it be, and I was just catastrophizing. So I got to the meeting to find out that I was scheduled to be on the meeting at 1.30. But I got there at 9. And so I literally had hours and hours of more catastrophizing to do. And there was a part of the meeting where they do, the, where they do some stuff where they need some privacy in the vote, and I, and I was asked to leave the room, and I got over there, and there was somebody that was in the meeting, and, and they just... They came over and they talked to me about all the ways the rules had been broken and how bad that was and how we need to keep our rules and maintain these things. And the catastrophe was getting bigger in my mind. And I had to ask myself this question this way. I, asked, I almost remember specifically asking, why have I come here? Why have I come here today? And in truth, the answer just popped right in because I love God and he asked me to. And so a secondary question started happening in my mind. Well, okay, so if he asked me to come here, do I trust him? So the question Jesus asked throughout the gospel is often, why are you here today? And do you trust him? The the trust word is a really important thing that's been going on in the Wednesday night Bible study. We've been talking about what it means to be a believer, and Brandy Pancos brought in this idea of being a truster. What it means to believe God and the work that he's doing in your life is to be a truster of what he's doing and the end results. It's quite a bit different from, I believe I'll go to the grocery store today and have a coffee from the Starbucks place. It's not the same as, I trust the work that God is doing in my life. So what are we doing here today? Why have we come? Why have we come? Now, I'm skipping the first 65 verses I was planning to read today, and I'm going to this one. This is starting at Luke 10, 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus and to ask him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say, or how do you read it? The man replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. By the way, that right there is a direct quote, and then he adds, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. Now this is a bad sign if you want to justify yourself. It just doesn't work out. So he asked, and who is my neighbor? And so Jesus told a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits, and they stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. And when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over a little, looked at him lying there, but also passed him by on the other side of the road. I'm going to take a pause in the moment of this to say, if your concerns for holiness are so strong that you can't give mercy and compassion, then something's deeply wrong, and you've answered the question, 
why have you come today in the wrong way? Why have you come today? Well, because, you know, I, I just want to be known as the most holy person there is. But I can't get my clothes dirty on the way. But just, just as in a little aside this morning, as I was getting ready to preach in the first service this morning, I have this uh, uh, drinking cup that won't leak. And I was drinking my drink this morning, and I went like this and it went, and it was all over me. As I was about to talk to you about whether or not we can do this stuff with our clothes not looking just right. We can. Holiness is not about the clothing. Holiness is about a heart attitude. And then a despised Samaritan came along, a despised Samaritan. He's in Samaria telling the story on the way to Jerusalem. And they haven't let him into the towns because he's going to Jerusalem because there's an internal debate between the Samaritans and the Jerusalem people and the Judeans that say, well, you have to worship in the right place in order for your prayers to get through. And he's going to Jerusalem, and so there's this fight going on. came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with oil and wine and bandaged them, and then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three you say was a neighbor to the man. Remember, now he's talking to somebody who's questioning him and wanting to make sure that everybody knows that he knows the right answers. And the response goes like this, the one who showed him mercy. Yes, now you go and do the same. Now I want to tell you this is, this is one of these You've all heard this story, and you've all heard probably 25 sermons on this story. I have too. There's a, in one of my um, commentaries, this, there's this quote. It says this, this parable is intended to provoke. The violence that's done is overt. This is not a sentimental tale. The deeper level of shock, however, is the recognitions that the Jews, who were esteemed for their place among the people and dedicated to holiness before the Lord, would allow considerations of personal safety and ritual purity to justify their not even crossing the road to take a look. They cannot do The point we learn here is not who deserves to be cared for, but rather the demand to become a person who treats everyone encountered with compassion. So when you ask this question, when Jesus asks you this question, who or why are you here? The question isn't because I want to look good. That's not the right answer. It's not, I wonder what I should be doing. That's not really the right answer anyway. If you come to Jesus and you need, and he asks you this question, what you know you need is you know you need a relationship with the Lord God. And when you form that relationship on 
in him, from him, he pours his spirit out on you. And that, my friends, is this amazing gift. It's this. When he pours his spirit out on you, it's by his spirit, he has stamped us with an eternal pledge, his pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. So when that spirit comes upon you, he pledges that he's going to do a work in you. Why have you come? I've come because I need a relationship with Jesus. I've come because I'm going to trust him with the end result. Now, do you know what the end result looks like? Nope. Do you know what what tomorrow is going to look like? Nope. Do you know anything about anything, really? Nope. What you do begin to know is that you have a need to trust God. And that he can work within you from wherever you are. You're not so broken that you can't be a starting spot. You're not so broken that he doesn't love you deeply. You're not so broken that you're not... I want to say this different, I want to say this different but I want to say God the same. You are not so broken that you no longer can be everything you were intended to be. You are not broken enough to destroy the potential that God put in you. Because it's his work in us. As we begin to go out and show compassion to somebody else, remember that he has shown compassion on us and the compassion that was aimed at us. Right? How many of you have felt compassion from God? Anybody? Okay, like three or four of you. Awesome. Then all the rest of you are, are wrong. You have felt compassion because God has allowed air to go in and out of your lungs. And everything else is gravy. That the compassion that was aimed at you was aimed at you and your life, and he has put that seal on you if you've answered the question, why have you come? Because I need to know you. I need you then the seal of the Holy Spirit on your life that he puts on is that that compassion, while aimed at you, is also aimed through you to somebody else. And so I'm going to ask this question, and then I'm going to draw to an end here. Why have you come? Once you meet him, do you ever stop needing him? No. Why have you come? By the way, I sat there in in the meeting, and and I was sitting there with the rule keeper who was giving me the hard time, and the catastrophe was getting bigger and bigger, and, and God said, and I said to myself, why have I come? Why am I here? And I began to know that I needed to trust him with it. And somehow the the person that was giving me all the rules sort of got up and walked away and gave them to somebody else for a little bit. And I started praying. And I started doing sermon prep again because, you know, i got to find a way to get out of the situation and out of the mindset and all this stuff. And I got back to the meeting, and, and I was waiting for the 130 spot on the docket. And Karen texted me and said, you know, it's snowing in Colville. 
and I need you back by five. <laughs> and I said, um, can you move me forward? It's snowing and my drive's getting longer. I come, I trust God with the result. I don't need to see the result in the meeting, but I trust him with the result, but I do need to go. And I trusted him with the result, and, and all the catastrophes just melted away. And somebody in the group goes, you know, God's been leading me to think about that very thought that you're in front of us for, for months. And the meeting just went this other way. And I went out to my car, and I started it up to go home, and it says, you have flat tire. In Washtuckna, where there's no air compressors to be had. So I walk around, and I, I say, okay, well, it's not exactly flat. It's a little low. And I drove to Ritzville, and I got there, and I filled up the tire I thought was low, and I went out and I checked, and it says, you have a low tire. And I filled up, I went around, and I go, well, I'm going to add it to the other front one. And it was at 20 pounds instead of 36. Filled it up, went back and checked. You have a low tire. All four of my tires were at 20 pounds. They were all low. Why have I come? What am I here for? What dangers are averted that God just handles? Will I trust him? And so I have this one message for you. If you don't know why you've come today, I want to suggest an answer. So that you may trust him. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to trust him? You go, God, I need some help. Help me trust you. Now, you might have been told that there are some other words you need to say. They're all synonyms for that. Help me. I need help. Trust me. I need trust. Help me. Work in me. Do all those things. Trust him. Let's do that. When you come today, may you trust him. May that be your answer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you implant in us a need and an opportunity. The need to trust you and the opportunity to be asked the question, do we trust you? Help us trust you. Lord, I believe you help my unbelief. In your precious name.